Chapter Six of Faulkner's Folly by Carolyn Wells. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Six, Mrs. Faulkner's account. Now, although the residents of the aristocratic Rensselaer Park were willing and even preferred to accept the burglar theory rather than have more shocking revelations, the newspaper-reading public was avid for sensation and dissatisfied at the failure of the police to arrest anybody, even the hypothetical burglar owing to the prominence of the victim both socially and in the art world a great hue and cry was raised for vengeance where vengeance was due all sorts of theories were propounded by all sorts of people and interest increased rather than dwindled as no definite progress was reported captain steele was one of the most able men on the force and his record for success in murder cases was of the best his reputation was at stake and he was working his very hardest in his handling of the present matter his methods were persistent rather than brilliant and his slowness was often the despair of quick-witted robert roberts captain bobsey would say do you see that point i saw it long ago would be the exasperating reply well what about it i haven't thought it out yet well get busy i am busy the stolid captain would answer and go on about his business but the two were staunch friends and allies and possessed the qualities that enabled them to work side by side without friction you see said steele as they were closeted in the reception room it's more or less a psychological problem they liked this room for their confabs the small size and convenient location suited their purpose admirably they could shut its two doors and be entirely secluded or they could open them and get a general idea of what was going on about the house snug little box bobsey had said when he first saw it and the walls and ceiling being all of the same general decoration in red and gold did give it the effect of a well-lined box it was used by the family for the reception of transient callers and was more formal than the studio or the billiard-room the terrace too was used as a living-place in available weather and even now as the two men were deep in their discussion there could be seen through the south window some servants arranging a small breakfast-table out there psychology is out of my line robert said in answer to the captain's assertion oh i don't mean anything scientific but it's this way one of those women is lying and one telling the truth now if we tax them with this we'll get nothing out of them for they're both at the edge of a nervous breakdown the innocent one too sure the guilty one is naturally all wrought up and the innocent one is so scared at the whole thing that she is all in too i think the little peach was in love with the artist i'm not sure of this but it doesn't matter anyway also and incidentally i think that courtney man is very much in love with mrs stannard now all these things are none of our business unless they help us to form conclusions that are our business and so we must be rather more tactful and diplomatic than usual because of dealing with high-strung and fine-calibred natures a murder doesn't connote a high-calibred nature it may well do so a strong impulse of revenge or jealousy could on occasion sway the highest mind to the basest deed murderers are made not born lombroso to the contrary notwithstanding and it is the coincidence of opportunity and motive that makes crime possible to an otherwise great and noble nature i'm not sure i agree to all that but if the argument is helpful let's use it by all means 
it is now here's the situation as near as i can make out mr stannard was alone in his studio after the truxton people had gone the faulkner lady and her admirer had gone to the drawing-room the model was on the terrace with barry and mrs joyce was in the billiard-room with courtney the trouble is we don't know how long this interval was blake says the truxtons went at eleven well from eleven then till eleven thirty covers the whole time in question between those two moments the crime was led up to and committed must it have been led up to not necessarily i admit but suppose let us say that soon after eleven one or other of the two women were considering was left alone say she came into the studio and had some sort of session with mr stannard that led to the stabbing then say she turned off the lights and quickly returned to her post either in the billiard-room or on the terrace and a moment later entered again just as she says she did all right that goes now which that's what we must discover by studying the two women not by hunting clues of a material nature whichever did it or whoever did it had to cross to the other end of the room to turn off the lights didn't she captain steele remembered the switch was near the hall door and the armchair where stannard died was at the south end of the room yes he agreed but that's only a few seconds work but when she did it the man was not dead you know he groaned after the light went out and later he spoke well well can you imagine that little girl having nerve enough for all that mrs stannard is a much older woman and a self-possessed one my opinion leans toward her what about the dying words of the man and also what about that letter to the model there's too much evidence instead of not enough but before we sift it out which we can do elsewhere let's try to learn something more from the people here servants or the others the others if possible if not then some servants beside blake the breakfast-table on the terrace had been visited only by mrs faulkner and barry stannard the other ladies had not appeared the two had quite evidently finished as the men could see from their lace-curtained window and roberts proposed they request an interview with one or both of them somewhat to their surprise the request was graciously granted mrs faulkner said she should be rather glad of an opportunity to learn what the police had done or were thinking of doing and barry seemed anxious to discuss matters also but even before they began barry was called away on some errand and mrs faulkner was their only source of information bobsey roberts was disappointed for he wanted to talk with a member of the immediate family but captain steele saw a chance to learn something personal of the two women he wished to study you must know mrs faulkner began steele that the two women found in the room near the dying man are naturally under grave suspicion of guilt can you tell us anything that will help clear the innocent or indicate the criminal beatrice looked at him a moment before she spoke she also glanced at bobsey roberts and then in a low calm voice she replied i think i must remind you that these two women are my dear friends i have known mrs stannard for years and miss vernon though a recent acquaintance is very dear to me they are both fine noble women utterly incapable of the crime even under deepest provocation therefore i do not admit even to myself that the circumstances implicate either of them although they may seem to do so 
with this declaration of my attitude in the matter i will answer any questions that i can but i will not agree that your theory is the right one then who did kill mr stannard that i cannot say but in absence of any real evidence against mrs stannard or miss vernon it must seem to have been an intruder of some sort though it may not be known how he entered it is far more easy to believe that he did gain an entrance than to believe crime of either of those two it was plain to be seen mrs faulkner was determined to stand by her friends through thick and thin so bobsy started on another tack will you tell us then something of the personal relations of this household was mr stannard in love with his pretty model i think he was beatrice rejoined as if the matter were of no great import but mr stannard was the type of man known as a lady-killer he adored all beautiful women and was what may be called in love with many his nature was so volatile and so impressionable that his love affairs were frequent and ephemeral mrs stannard made no objection to this i think these queries are unnecessarily personal but i see so far no harm in replying mrs stannard knew so well her husband's temperament and disposition that usually she laughed at his sudden adorations knowing that he tired of them very quickly the stannards were a model and a modern couple they never stooped to petty jealousies or bickerings and had wide tolerance for each other's actions mrs stannard is his second wife is she not yes they were married something more than two years ago and mrs stannard had other suitors who were disappointed at her marriage that is usually true of any beautiful woman but in her case you know of instances bobsy smiled pleasantly naturally as i know her so well and is mr courtney one of them mr courtney was one of her devoted admirers and since the marriage she has been a friend warmly welcomed here by both mr and mrs stannard no breath of reproach may be brought against joyce stannard or eugene courtney of this i can assure you and the young lady is barry stannard a suitor of hers beatrice's face clouded a little yes you cannot help seeing that so i will tell you that he is madly in love with miss vernon but his father strongly objected to the match and threatened to disinherit barry if he persisted in his attentions to the girl i tell you this because i prefer you to hear the truth from me rather than a string of garbled gossip and young stannard persisted i think so it was love at first sight on both sides and miss vernon is a very lovely girl of quite as lovely a nature as her pure sweet face indicates might not mr stannard's objection to his son's suit have been prompted by his own admiration for the lovely nature it might have been and beatrice sighed eric stannard was an exceedingly selfish man and though his interest in the model was doubtless his usual temporary love affair it is quite likely that it was the main motive of his displeasure at his son's interference i am speaking very frankly for i know these things must all come out and i am hoping if you know just how matters are you will understand the case better and be more prepared to relieve the two women of suspicion it may be so and captain steele nodded his head sagely but mrs faulkner was watching him closely you are not yet very greatly influenced by my revelations i can see she said but i am sure you will come around to my way of thinking sooner or later the more you see of your suspects the more you will realize the absurdity of your suspicions that's possibly true 
when can we have an interview with either of them mrs stannard is prostrated i am sure you cannot see her before the funeral which will be to-morrow won't you refrain from asking it until after that certainly but miss vernon may we not have a few words with her you must realize mrs faulkner if the girl is innocent it will be much better for her to see us and answer a few straightforward questions than to appear unwilling to do so i agree with you i will go and ask her myself and advise her to see you shall i go now in a moment please but first one more question we are trying to discover who last saw mr stannard alive prior to the time of the murder what can you tell us as to this only that i was in the studio just before the first of the guests went away at that time we were all there i think except barry and natalie who were out on the terrace the two truxtons went home and at the same time mr wadsworth and i went up to the drawing-room to be by yourselves a certain kindliness in bobsy's tone robbed the question of impertinence and beatrice smiled a little as she said yes exactly we stayed there perhaps a half-hour and then mr wadsworth went home i did not go downstairs with him but sat a moment in the drawing-room thinking over some personal matters then when i went downstairs it was to see blake listening at the door and the rest you know yes now whom did you leave in the studio when you and mr wadsworth and the truxtons went out of it beatrice thought a moment only mr stannard his wife and mr courtney then mrs stannard and mr courtney went into the billiard-room yes and mr stannard went too but he went back in the studio joyce told me that and he must have been there alone when the person who killed him came in this would make it that mr stannard returned to his studio from the billiard-room at a little after eleven say five or ten minutes after the fact that he cried out for help at about eleven-thirty narrows the time down rather close we have only about twenty minutes for the intruder to enter and commit the deed this is long enough if the crime was premeditated but scarcely giving time for a quarrel or argument to take place then you assume premeditation and beatrice looked up quickly it would seem so then i am sure you will find mr roberts that it could not have been either of the two you think for even if one of them might have done such a thing in the heat of passion neither i am positive ever deliberately premeditated it what about the letter found in the desk that and beatrice shook her head emphatically that was never meant for miss vernon yet mrs stannard overheard him say practically the same thing to somebody in the studio a moment or two before the crime was committed joyce thinks she heard that but captain steele that poor woman scarcely knew what she was saying at that awful inquest and she-well she had reason to think there were women in mr stannard's life who would be willing in fact who wished him to be divorced from her she knew this she knew of that note he had written it was not the first of that nature and she imagined she heard that speech you make mr stannard out a very bad man mrs faulkner i am sorry to speak ill of the dead but he was not a good man in the ways we are talking of in other respects eric stannard had few faults he was upright honest and generous he was kind and he was truthful and he was extraordinarily brave and honourable but he was inordinately selfish and of sybaritic instincts 
he would not try to curb his admiration for a new and pretty face and though absolutely loyal to his wife in honour and principle he was a flirt and a gallant much in the way of a butterfly among the flowers his genius is not necessary to speak of he is known here and abroad as one of the greatest artists of the century and his wide and varied experiences his cosmopolitan life and his waywardness of character may well have gained him enemies who in a secret and clever manner found means to take his life who will benefit financially by his death captain steele asked abruptly i haven't heard anything about the will yet but i'm pretty certain that outside of a few friendly bequests his fortune is divided between his wife and son about equally and his jewel collection is not that valuable very the emeralds mentioned in that note comprise a fortune in wonderfully matched stones and there are many more yes it is an exceedingly valuable lot he showed them to mr truxton that evening to all of us that was right after dinner he showed only a few cases but of very beautiful stones End of chapter six